You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. There are experiences, there are seasons, there are challenges, there are things that we face that they might come with the potential to make you weaker, to weigh down on you and to challenge you. But we believe that they can also be an opportunity for you to become stronger as you go through those seasons, as you go through those moments, as you go through those challenges. So we're going to spend some time this month talking about that. And that's the title of the series, Stronger. But today I want to share a message with you titled, Make or Break. Make or Break to introduce this idea for this series. See, we all experience defining moments in life. We all go through moments where the decision, the action, the response will have deep significance. Where however we react or however, however choice we make will be truly consequential. Now within those defining moments, within those moments, there are moments that we expect, that we plan for. And those are the ones that we actually think about more often. You know, a field of study that you want to enter in or a career decision that you hope to make. Somebody you want to propose to. Or maybe you were hoping to get a proposition. And, you know, if you're proposing, you're like hoping that you're going to get a yes. If you're the one waiting for the proposition, you're probably checking your watch and going, all right. It's taking a little while. Hurry up, man. I'm kidding. But we all go through seasons in life, in life that we know it'll be defining. Now... Apart from those seasons that we have anticipation, that we imagine, that we plan, that we expect, apart from those seasons and those, those decisions that we look at and we say, if I get there, that'll be the next level. If I, make, if I cross that line, that will be the next thing for my life. There are moments that come at us that we don't expect. There are often times in life where those are make or break times. Where you don't expect. You never thought it was going to happen to you. You didn't expect that accident. You weren't ready for what happened to you. You weren't ready for that transfer. Or the company that you were hoping was going to succeed actually went under. And you weren't, you weren't ready for that. You know, you had hopes and, and, and dreams from a promo, for a promotion and you were working hard and you were hoping to get that promotion and then you got called in the office and it was the opposite. You got laid off. You weren't expecting for that. It was a make or break moment in your life. Tragedy knocked at your door maybe or maybe it's just a constant affliction that is coming at you and you never thought you were going to have to deal with it but now day after day after day after day it's just become part of your routine. <coughs> you know, the Apostle Paul talks about it in one of his letters. He wrote at least two letters to the church in Corinth. We read from, we read from one of the letters earlier in the service today. But the second letter is such a great letter. He writes to them, and, and he, there's so much truth and so much 
power. There's, there are powerful instructions and a beautiful, beautiful uh, set of guidances there. He talks about comfort. He talks about forgiveness. He talks about the new covenant that Jesus came to bring. He talks about perseverance. He talks about the ministry of reconciliation, of unity, of people coming together. But then towards the end, around chapter 11, he begins talking about boasting. And it's an intriguing idea that he presents and begins to talk about. Because Paul talks about people who are boasting about their knowledge. He's talking about people who are boasting about their capacity. And he says, I too could do that. In fact, some of those guys were ministers. And he said, they could do it. And I could do it even more. I could boast even more. Because if they have capabilities I'm even better than them and he even says I'm talking like a madman here I'm being a fool I'm making a fool of myself but just to prove a point I have plenty of accolades to brag on and to boast on but you know what I choose to boast on my weaknesses and that's always been intriguing to me it's an intriguing thought that a man who could boast on the things that he is good at, chooses to boast on the things that he's not so good at. See, I'm almost 36 years old, and I've met some people in life in both ministry and the marketplace, people of all walks of life, and I have rarely met someone who practices this. It's a very rare occasion where you find somebody that practices this. You know, I never heard a dad come to me and say, hey, J.D., Johnny got into the basketball team, and I have no idea how he got in. He's so bad. He is horrible. I have no idea how he got in. While Johnny actually is great in, in English. He's like acing all the English tests. He is the spelling bee champion. But here's his dad saying, he's really bad at basketball. I've never heard anybody... Say that. Any parents say that. I've never heard somebody come to me and go, hey, dude, I'm so, I'm so slow. Do you want to race? You want to race and see who crosses the finish line last? I'm super slow. I'll prove it to you. Let's race. No, we don't do that, do we? We don't boast on our weaknesses. We hide them. We don't boast on our weaknesses. We try to improve them. We work on them so that we can at least be average. So we can at least come up to the average level. We don't boast on them. But here comes Paul. A studied man. A, 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 a man who had influence. A man who had knowledge. Who God was using. He had a great story. A great testimony. And he says, you know what? All of that I count as loss. And for the sake of Christ and for the sake of you, I boast on my weaknesses. There's a reason why he did that. There's a reason. Why would he do that? I believe there's a reason. Not only a reason, there's a lesson in it. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. And he writes, So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me. To keep me from becoming conceited. 
Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it, would, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the, Lord, the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. See, this passage contains a mystery. A mystery that has been overstudied, overanalyzed, and has had a lot of, a lot of um, speculation on what this doggone thorn in the flesh was. There's so much speculation on what the thorn in the flesh was. What was Paul talking about? You know, some people believe it was persecution. That because Paul persecuted the Christians uh, so much, and now the Jews were persecuting him because he'd switched teams, basically, right? And he was being constantly persecuted. He had somebody that really wanted him dead. And he had suffered in his flesh lashings and beatings and imprisonments. And uh, he was even stoned and left for dead once. Some people believe, some scholars believe that was, that's what he was talking about. Because he follows up with weaknesses and insults. And Others believe that it was depression. That Paul suffered from depression because of all that he did. That he would have nightmares. That, 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 that his ailment was actually his soul. But others believe that because he said it was a thorn in the flesh, that it was actually a physical ailment, something that affected his body. Somebody, more specifically, uh, there's a strong uh, argument for eyesight, that he had a bad eyesight. In Galatians, he writes... Uh, to the church if possible you would have gouged out your eyes and have given them to me so it gives an idea that he might have bad, have had a bad eyesight in another uh, passage in acts he's talking to the pharisees and the sadducees in a room and the high priest comes in and says something and he goes right back at him and somebody says how dare you talk to the high priest like that and he said i'm sorry i didn't know he was in the room so some people believe that he had a problem with his eyesight. But I think there's a reason why he didn't say it specifically what it was. I think there's a stronger reason for why Paul chose to omit it. Because it would have been much easier for him to say, this is what I face day in and day out. But he goes the extra length to turn it into a metaphor. And there's two reasons that I want to share with you that relate to the theme of our message today. The first reason I believe he did that is because it's not about the thorn. It's not about what the thorn is. It's about what grace does. It really doesn't matter what the thorn was. In fact, I believe that Paul turned it into a metaphor so that you could see yourself in his shoes. So that you could place yourself in his situation. So that you could exchange whatever he was going through for whatever you're going through. And say, you know what? There's a thorn in my flesh as well. But the grace of God. The grace of God. You know, so that begs the question, what about you? What are you going through? What are some of the things that you're facing? What is the thorn in your flesh? See, I bet you have a story to tell. 
I bet you have some weaknesses you can boast in. I bet you got some things in your life that they probably wouldn't make you as elated to share, but you know, you might have gone through some things that caused you to go to God and God rescued you and His grace was upon you and now you're in a better situation. See? Maybe you're here today and in the past your child was off course, but now your child is all right. Maybe you're here today and in the past you were in debt to your eyeballs but you, and you didn't know how you were going to come out of it. But you went to God and you prayed and you looked for solutions and opportunities began to appear. And you were diligent. You were diligent and you seized the opportunities and you did what you had to do. But you had no idea how those doors were opening and now you stand here debt free. Because of the grace of God. Maybe you're here today and you were facing an addiction. You were addicted. You couldn't live without that thing. You couldn't live without that substance. You couldn't live without that practice. And God delivered you and you're free. You have a story. You have something to boast on, boast in. See, it's His grace in your weakness that has made you strong. I remember when we moved to start this church. There's so much that has been invested in this church and that we have... So much has taken out of us to birth this church. But there was a season where we felt like we were just getting depleted. Every single part of our lives was getting depleted. We were getting financially depleted. You know, our friendships were moving on and we had left. And now we are here, no friends and, you know, jobs. We came in hoping to find jobs. We had a little bit of money in the bank and savings. And it was enough to last us through a year. And we were hoping to find jobs that year so that we could save the money and invest it in the church. And nothing. I mean, guys, I'm not talking about like executive office jobs. I'm talking Walmart, Target. You know, pizza delivery. <laughs> Nothing. It's like every single door closed. I got two job opportunities for myself in two churches. Two different churches that said, we could have you. We could have you on board. And one of them actually was really tempting. Really tempting. <laughs> really tempting. <laughs> you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't God's will. Like we weren't, we weren't, we didn't feel convicted. It was almost like God allowed us to get depleted. He allowed us to go back to zero. To be depleted and to be to, to, to a position where we're back at zero. And then we were, when we were there, completely depleted with a three-year-old daughter going like, God, this is it. It has to be it. My wife uh, gets pregnant. And it's a monomono pregnancy of high risk. And the doctor, I remember sitting in the doctor's office and he's saying, listen, not only can the children die, but if they do die, there's a high risk that she will die when they pass inside her because we won't be able to take her, uh, take the babies out soon enough. And she, you could lose all three of them. And I'm, I, I went to God, honest. I went to God. I'm like, what, what's, what's the deal? What's the deal here? Here we are now in a situation where you know, not only are we depleted, but could lose the love of my life and the children that we're to have. See, you might, you might be there right now. Some of you, you might be in a situation right now where, you know what, your child is still off course right now. 
You might be in a situation where you are in debt right now and you don't know what to do about it. You might be in a situation where, you know, you're looking for work and you're unemployed right now. And you need a door to open. You need something to happen because you are in that make or break moment. You might be right now fighting an addiction, fighting something, hoping to overcome an affliction that might be in your body, hoping to see the other side. And I'm here to tell you, you know, if, if you feel like you're constantly at a breaking point and you are afraid that that situation might take you down, it's not what you're going through that might take you down. It's not the affliction. It's not the challenge. It's not the shortcoming. It's not your mistakes that will take you down. What will take you down is where you go to when you're going through it. Where are you going to go? Who are you going to go through to? Who are you going to call? <laughs> Nurse Dante. Inside joke, guys. What sustains your soul? Who has you? Who's holding your hopes and dreams? Are you desperate because all your hopes and dreams are in that job? Are you feeling depressed because your hopes and dreams were in that thing that you lost? I want to encourage you today to reevaluate, to redirect. See, when I found myself in that situation, I found myself crying to God, like I said. God, here we are, depleted, completely empty of all resources. And now we find ourselves in a situation where the church hasn't launched yet. It hasn't started. And my wife is going through this very high-risk pregnancy where we don't know what's on the other side. The doctor is saying, you got to terminate it. But we don't believe in that. And he's saying, you might lose all of them. God, where are you? Now, part of me was feeling even a little bit of resentment, like... We did all this for you. Like God owes me or something. You know? And we were in that moment. In that moment of tension. And just, I just felt God speak to me. Not out loud. Just a whisper in my heart. I felt, I felt God speak to me and, and ask, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Where is your trust? Do you trust me? With some dollars in the bank, would you trust that over trusting me? And then that psalm came to my heart. I will see the salvation of the Lord in the land of the living. I will see the salvation of the Lord. And I began singing that. Just a simple phrase. Made a song out of it. Taught my daughter. And we would sing in the kitchen. I will see the salvation of the Lord. I will see the salvation of the Lord. See, when I was weak, it was then that God gave me the strength to see a future and to see to move forward and I'm here to tell you if you're in that position that's what you got to do you got to dig your heels in put your heart in your presence in your hopes in God and know that he will see you through it is not the situation it's not the affliction it's not the trouble that will take you down it is who you put your hope in and if you put your hope in God there's no weakness and there's no difficulty that will take you down you will make it it won't break you it will make it it will not break you It'll make you. See, this may sound counterintuitive. This may sound like, you know, an oxymoron. But I believe that there, there are situations, there's a certain kind of strength that only comes out of weakness. There's a certain kind of strength in your heart, in your soul, that is only developed in a moment of weakness, in a challenge, a situation, 
that you're facing that you don't know how to get out of. See, for some of you, it's your lack of resource that you're facing. It's the lack of influence. It's the lack of friendships. It is the lack that you're going through that's actually making you stronger. God may have allowed certain things to come to your life, not to break you, but to make you. To make you stronger, to give you, make you wiser, to, to make you bolder. See, this, this, in this season, you might be thinking, looking in the natural, that nothing is happening. You look in the natural and you think there's nothing really going on. I might be wasting my time here. But you're not wasting your time. You're developing a different kind of muscle. A different kind of strength. You're coming up higher with a different kind of strength. See, it's not strength based on position. It's not great strength based on resources. It's not strength based on a fame or, or know-how or influence, but it's strength that is sourced in God's grace, in God's grace alone. It's strength that will help you carry on. And this is what happens when you're in that moment. As your dependence on the things around you that you have been dependent on your whole life, as those dependencies begin to wear off, and you begin to attach your heart to God. And you begin to depend on God. You become free. You become free of those dependencies. So that when those things are restored to you. When you do get the job. When you do find the promotion. When you do get some resources back in your life. They do not control you. And they don't have your heart. Because they do not provide to you. They were provided to you by the provider. See, God is your provider. He is your source. And he will carry you through and see you through. Do you believe it this morning? Do you believe it? See, it's not about the thorn. It's about what grace does. It's about what grace does. And the second thing I believe Paul did, uh, Paul uh, shared it in that way. And he, he boasted in his weaknesses. It's because your weakness serves others. Your weakness can serve somebody else. See, sometimes when we go through situations, we think about ourselves. We have a tendency to turn inward. But as, you know, as, as, as we face it, we got to realize we're not invalids. We're not, we, don't, we don't have lost our ability or capability to help somebody else because we're going through something. In fact, Jesus shows that in something that he went through. There's a very well-known passage. I've spoken on this passage at least two times here at Connect Community. But in John 4, it's the passage known as the Samaritan woman. When Jesus meets the Samaritan woman beside the well. And the verse 6 reads this. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Here's what I find interesting about this passage. We are all mesmerized by what happens to the Samaritan woman. The fact that she came from a, a bad background and Jesus forgives her and restores her. And she becomes a preacher. You know, she's had five husbands. And the one that she has now is not her own. And that's an amazing story. And it's the first time in, in the book of John that Jesus says, I am the Messiah. And he says it not only to a woman, he says it to a sinner. And she becomes a preacher. And she brings the whole town. And that's an amazing story. But we cannot miss the fact that Jesus was weak. Jesus was weary. 
Jesus was so tired that he didn't even go into town. He had to sit by the well. But in sitting by the well, he positioned himself to help somebody else. Even in his weakness, he provided strength to somebody else. See, they had a similarity right there. Jesus was weak in his flesh, in his body. That woman was weak in her soul, in her spirit. And he strengthened her. So much so that by strengthening her, he got his strength. It says later in the same chapter, verses 31 through 34, it says this. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Which tells you they were worried about him. It tells you that he had to eat because he was, he was about to, you know, he needed, he needed some food. But he said to them, I have a food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? They were like, what happened here? Some, some Uber Eats coming around here? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. I hope that you get that in your spirit today because God has something to accomplish through your life. No matter what you're going through, you can be useful. You have a purpose. You might be in weakness or in strength. God can use you for something amazing. Your weakness is no reason for you to have a poor old me attitude and feel like, you know, you, 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 unless you get out of it, you can't be of good use. That's not true. That's a lie from the pits of hell. You can help somebody else. In your position, you can help somebody else. Yes. The other thing, too, that I believe, you know, from, from this idea of, of giving to others, the reason why Paul was a, such a great example of how to be stronger in weak moments is because he was concerned for others. See, if he was thinking about himself, it would be much better for him to boast on his accolades. If he was trying to lift himself up, if he was trying to, you know, put himself above others, the way to go would be to say, hey, here's what I know. Here's who taught me. Here's who I am, and this is why you should listen to me. But he said, I boast on my weakness for the sake of Christ. You know, and later he, he says, it's for you. It's for you. It's to bless others. See, I believe that we can have that mindset in our hearts. There's an idea. I want to close with this thought. There's an idea that when we were going through that, through that season, that difficult season, that season of depletion, when, when I was feeling, you know, a little bit of resentment almost toward God and feeling like, God, what, when are you, you going to show, show us your way? Like, when are we going to see a breakthrough? Uh, in my heart, I was feeling like, you know, we've invested so much into this. We have invested so much into uh, uh, our walk with you. We have invested so much into this mission and this heart. And sometimes we can get this... this financial market word investment and apply to our relationship with God like God I've invested so much in other words when I'm in, when, when am I am I going to see my ROI right when I'm going to see the return on investment where is it like you know you promised the payback come on now and the, the, the shift in my heart was this when we serve God 
when we serve others, when we allow our story to be a source of strength for somebody else, it's not an investment. It's an offering. It's an offering. An offering goes out with no expectation of return. And I want to encourage you today to live as people who offer. To live as an offering. To bless others with offerings. You know what? Start with your home. When you bless your wife, when you're good to her, when you're, it's, it's an offering. It's not an investment. It's an offering. When you come and you serve at church, it's an offering. When you help somebody else at work, it's an offering. When you give out of your resources, even though it might be a sacrifice, don't give it an investment hoping to get somebody, something back. It's an offering. When they win, you win. When your family wins, you win. If somebody else rises, you rise. When you see somebody through, you win. We've had people in our church start businesses last year. And uh, we, we've been blessed to go to Hotsana and, and enjoy some good times of meditation and, and prayer there. And when I'm in there, I'm praying for them. I'm like, God, prosper this business. Bless them, Lord. And let people come here and feel the, 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 the atmosphere, you know, because these guys really want to bless people. When I go to, to, to uh, uh, Humboldt on Hope, I'm sipping on that coffee and I'm saying, God, bless them. Bless the staff. Bless this business. Let's see them uh, 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 rise. No, I'm not here thinking, oh, we have some other projects in the church that we got to get going too. God, you're blessing them. Why can't you bless me? <laughs> we can think like that sometimes. But when you see somebody rise, when you see somebody blessing, uh, God blessing somebody else, praise God for them. Yeah. You know, be happy. Enjoy. Because you know what? As we do that, as they rise, you will rise too. Yeah. You know, our lives are offerings, not investments. Let's... Think of offerings and give our lives as an offering. And as we do that, we will grow. We'll become stronger. And doors of opportunity will open. But that's not why we do it, is it? It's because we love each other and because we want to help other people. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. 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 Amen.